to the 12 Days of Christmas, episode number seven. Hang on a minute, is that your intro? Yeah. Where's the song? I can't be arsed. There you go. <laughs> I just, the pressure was too much. I can't keep writing songs, these absolute things of wonder and creative genius. I can't keep putting them out there for free, okay? It's not okay. <laughs> it's too much. The pressure has finally got to you. We've got two gorgeous happy birthdays to say today. Happy, happy birthday. And before we go any further, we would like to say happy birthday to Claire Gleason Sauro from her lovely sister, Kerry, but also more importantly from Dan and Tiny Bims and me. And we would also like to say a happy birthday to Cynthia. Cynthia has just turned 30. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to both of you. I hope you had wonderful days. And I've got four stories for you today. Are you ready? Oh no. Story number one comes from Phil. So to set the scene, I live at home with my mum and dad, sister and two dogs. It was about half past eleven at night and the rest of my family had gone to bed. I was sat watching Family Guy as I usually do at this time of night and was more or less ready to head to bed. Before I go to bed, I normally have a cigarette at the back door, lock up, turn the lights off and then head upstairs. I took my headphones off to head to the back door when all of a sudden I heard a loud, deep groan that lasted about five seconds. At first I thought nothing of it, but realised that next door's six-year-old had been quiet for the past two hours and there was absolutely no way they could be capable of making a noise that low in tone. The noise also seemed to be coming from the dining room, which I would have to go through to have a cigarette at the back door. With that, I simply noped out of there and went to bed, nearly tripping up the stairs as I went. The next day, I was talking to my mum about the afterlife. I know, really light-hearted stuff. And I recalled a time that I heard my deceased grandmother's voice as clear as day in my ear. It was the early hours of the morning, long before the extension we had had done to the house and I kind of stirred in the night and closed my eyes to head back to sleep. Before I could, I heard in my ear my name being called, and at first I hid under the duvet, but then realising that it was my grandmother, I knew that she would never bring harm to me or my family, so I lay there for a second and smiled, realising that she was just there to check up on me. On the evening of that day, I was talking to my mum. I stayed up late again, not learning the lessons of the mysterious moan and subconsciously wanting to freak myself out, I suppose. All was well and quiet, and about midnight I was having a smoke, and I looked into the kitchen window to see if everything was in order, as the window was adjacent to the back door. As I looked in, a thin, wispy mist seemed to move from one side of the room to the other, almost resembling an arm waving at me. Strangely, this didn't freak me out, mainly because I'd have to go back inside at some point, but also with the nature of the motion I figured it may be a long-sensed past relative wanting to see if I knew they were there. Phil is my kind of fella. He reacted to that first one in exactly the same way that I would and he just went back to bed or up to bed. That is the most sensible thing to do in this situation. I feel like unless you are actually a ghost hunter, in which case you probably should investigate, but if you're just an average person with a job that doesn't involve hunting ghosts, nope out there. Yeah, don't bother. No. There's no need. And this ghost 
is obviously trying to help you to give up smoking because you didn't have that cigarette and you just went to bed. <laughs> there you go. It's a PDSA joke. No, not PDSA. That's not what I meant. What's PDSA? I don't know. What I meant was a PSA ghost, as in it's... A public service announcement yeah. ghost. I don't know what a PDSA is. I think that's a pet charity in the UK. <laughs> oh, potentially. Again, they also might want you to give up smoking. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. maybe. <laughs> but it sounds pretty... Uh, it sounds like you did the right thing, Phil. Hmm. We appreciate... The level-headedness of noping the fuck out of there. I feel like noping out is a is a legit option of all situations. And I feel like it's a, sometimes a ridiculed option when it really shouldn't be. Yeah. Noping Ex- out is brilliant. Except maybe when it comes to paying the cashier in a shop, because that's yeah, probably... Yeah, don't, don't, don't know about yeah, that. It's probably inappropriate. Bad idea. Mm. And our second story today comes from Kim. My brother and I are three years apart, him being the eldest... We grew up in National City, California. Our mom was abusive and addicted to drugs, so him and I only had each other. We lived in the same house our mom grew up and our grandmother died in. She died in the living room, so we always felt a presence in that room. The dogs would never sleep in the living room. They were always on full alert. One day, it was just complete hell with our mom. We just carried on like normal, waiting for her to leave us alone at night time. The rooms were down a hallway, and the very end was our mom's room, mainly storage and stuff because she never slept there. When you turned to the left, there was a small landing that on either side was a bedroom. Those were mine and my brother's. We would sleep with our doors open because of how bad the neighbourhood was and how our mom was. One night we started our nightly talk until one of us fell asleep. We heard footsteps coming down the hall. They were calm, so we knew it wasn't our mom. We both went into complete silence. We heard the footsteps turn and come into the landing. We looked and there was no one there, but we stayed quiet. The footsteps started to come into my room and then stopped again. Then they turned to head into my brother's room. Then they stopped. My brother asked if I'd heard that and I guess he thought he must have imagined it. I told him I did and then I rushed over into his room. We would randomly have moments like that or the feeling of someone on the bed and we ended up assuming that it was just our grandma checking in on us. Jumping ahead about six years when I was 13, I moved in with my dad. I moved to the other side of the United States, Georgia, and I was staying at a friend's house and she always told me she heard weird stuff. Me being a badass 13-year-old said, oh, I want to hear it. This encounter happened during hurricane season, go figure. Rain, lightning and a bunch of storms. The lights went out, but her parents had a generator connected to the living room. We were playing a board game, and luckily we had lights and air conditioning still. While we thought we were having a totally fun night, there were several bangs towards the kitchen area. It was dark everywhere except in the living room. My friend's dad grabbed a flashlight to go and look in the kitchen. He flashed the light into the kitchen and every single cabinet door was open. And out of nowhere, they all slammed shut. We all jumped and her dad screamed at whatever was doing it. I got so freaked out and said that I wanted to go to sleep. I was in her little brother's room since he slept with his parents. I started to hear giggling. Now I was 13 years old and my friend and I aren't gigglers. It sounded like a little girl. I looked around to see what it could have been. There were no dolls or anything to make that sound. 
As I was looking all over the room and while I glanced past the window, I was immediately drawn back to look at it. A little girl with blonde hair that was in pigtails with ribbons was looking in the window. I told my friend and she then told me that she had seen her before and that she carries a teddy bear with her. Why are they so common? I can't, I can't handle it. Why is it always little girl ghosts? Oh, I thought that was a rhetorical question. I didn't realise you were waiting for a response. I mean, it kind of rhetorical, but I was hoping you might be able to give me a reassuring answer. No, I don't have one. Sorry. It's always a little girl, isn't it? And it's always creepy as, and laughing and giggling and playing with cabinets and holding a teddy bear and looking like Mr. Burns as a child. You are obsessed with this image of Mr. Burns as a child. I know the exact one you're talking about, the one where he's got the, the blonde pigtails yeah. and the teddy bear. Yeah. I totally see it. Well, that's what pretty much as that ghost was described, right? Uh, next time, can you just write Mr. Burns as a child? <laughs> yeah, I think someone did once, right? Instead of, little, <laughs> instead of little girl ghost, because it'll make Dan feel better. And based off the evidence, and solely off the evidence, because obviously I wasn't there, and I don't know, know any more than you told us, but I am convinced that those footsteps that you heard with you and your brother was your grandma absolutely convinced yeah checking in to make sure that yep. you're doing okay when your mum's behavior wasn't the way a parent should behave yeah. towards their children definitely 100 percent. yep because it was there's nothing about that that was other than it being a ghost obviously <laughs> there's nothing about it that was scary yeah it, it was comforting reassuring yep. going to each bedroom checking on the kids yeah yeah i totally I, agree definitely grandma and our third story today comes from Jennifer. My uncle died in 1997 when I was about six years old. Though I don't remember it very well, I know it was a traumatic experience for my dad, grandparents and everyone close to him. It was a completely unexpected death. He was in his late 40s and he passed away at home. He had meningitis but didn't realise the symptoms, he just thought he was feeling a bit under the weather so took himself to bed. As far as I know, nobody in my family has ever experienced anything supernatural or ghostly, aside from this one time. A couple of years ago, my grandparents were away on holiday in America. They're pretty old school, and when they go away, they like my dad to go and check on their house every single day without fail. To check the post and generally make sure everything is running okay. To get to my grandparents' house, you drive along a main road that runs parallel to their street. When I was a kid, it was always tradition that when we'd drive down the main road, my dad would say, better glance to check they're in. And we'd all glance through the trees that separated the main road and their road, of course always seeing their car on the drive and the lights on in the living room. So my dad was driving to check their house one evening after work, just as it was getting dark. He had my stepmom in the car with him, and as they drove down the main road, in keeping with tradition, they glanced out the side of the car through the trees to the house. My dad said the lights in the living room were on, the curtains were open, and a silhouette of a man was clearly visible in the middle of the room. When he'd been there the evening before, the curtains had been shut and he hadn't touched them, and the lights had all been off. He told me he lost his shit, which is hard to imagine as my dad is a real mild-mannered man, and he was telling my stepmom to ring the police, ring the police, there's someone in the house. They pulled the car up just a bit down the road from the house and despite my stepmom's protests 
He said he was going to have a look while they waited for the police to arrive. You can get into my grandparents' back garden by jumping a small wall and avoiding the front of the house. So he did just that and let himself in the back door. He said when he got to the living room his heart was pounding like it's never pounded before. But as he opened the door, the lights were off, the curtains were drawn and nobody was there. He searched the whole house and couldn't find a thing. They were both mega freaked out, as they'd both seen the same thing. A man stood in the window and the lights were on. It wasn't until they managed to convince themselves that they were both seeing things, and all was well so they could go home for the night, that they noticed a few photos of my uncle that usually sit pride of place on the mantelpiece were all knocked facing down, but photos of other family members were all perfectly in place. It might sound like a bullshit story to some people, or even the photo thing being a coincidence, but I certainly like to think it was my uncle popping back to say hello, and scare the shit out of his brother, who we always did like to wind up. Obviously, I believe all stories that we get sent, and all stories that you read me, and every anecdote about ghosts, because I believe they're real. But I always think... When it's one person witnessing these things and then when they go back and look, it's it's not how they saw it. There's always a question of doubt around it. But in this story, you've got the corroboration of the stepmom. So two people saw it. So two people saw the windows open. No, not the windows, the curtains open, the lights on and the silhouette. And then when they went in, it was different. It's compelling evidence, I would say. And a tragic death like meningitis in somebody so young must it must leave their leave their soul in like some sort of turmoil, mm. you know, and wanting to be able to connect with the people that they've left behind, because it's it's really it's really tragic for somebody so young to die of an illness like that. Really tragic, definitely, especially as he just went to bed. Yeah, because you would, of course, you'd think, yeah. oh God, I'm not feeling very well. I'm just going to go to bed and yeah. have a bit of a lie down. It happens all the time, unfortunately. I I just I'd love to know if your dad took any comfort from it, like afterwards when mm. he reassessed the whole thing. Did he go, okay, it was just him coming back to let me know that he was okay and wind him up by all accounts <laughs> and also wind him up, which I love. That's that's, that. that's that's a real brother relationship. <laughs> and our final story today comes from Rebecca. Back when I was between the ages of three and four, my parents and I moved to the Lake District. My dad had secured a park warden role at Fallborough Park in Windermere. He worked the night shift there, basically shooing off any drunk so-and-sos who were hanging about in the kids' play areas after a certain time. This is actually important and I'll come back to it later. Because of his job, we lived in a small and rented static caravan on the Fallborough Park grounds before moving to the gatehouse by the entry to the park, otherwise known as the lodge. The lodge was a really old building, black brickwork with a solid oak front door. It can barely be seen on Google Maps, owing to it being abandoned storage building now. For those interested, however, it is immediately to the right of the entry to the Fallborough Park. The garden at the time I lived there was neatly tucked away and surrounded by evergreens to hide the private life from view. It was a semi-detached property, and as such we had a young family also living next door to us. Again, more on that later. Like I say, I had not long turned three when we moved there, 
so still in that terrible threes stage of life. By all accounts, I was a healthy baby, no major life traumas at a young age, albeit very clumsy, and also adorable, that I often wonder what on earth happened to me as I grew up, but I digress. Not long after moving into the lodge, events started to unfold. I started to act up before bedtime. This was a tad unusual, as I'd always been praised by my ability to sleep anywhere and everywhere, but I apparently, according to my parents, started to kick up a fuss about going upstairs to bed. To put this into context, I had to be prescribed mild sedatives to go upstairs to bed. I'd gotten to the stage where I would be gripping the banister at the foot of the stairs and the door frame to the living room, also at the foot of the stairs, screaming myself red in the face. Evidently, something had spooked me, but my parents couldn't figure out what it was. Things got to a point that even when in bed, I could be heard whimpering, Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And Dad had to stay sat on the top stair before going to work, reassuring me that everything was okay. It was an old house, or birds were nesting in the roof, or it's bats heading out for the night living in the roof. This still didn't help, but eventually we all learned to manage it. I hasten to add that the little girl who lived next door to us also had problems getting to sleep at night. One morning, however, Mum woke up a tad bleary-eyed, and when walking to the kitchen, she brushed past a man. Still in her sleep-like stage, she wished Dad a good day at work, but she soon snapped awake when she realised that Dad wasn't back from his late shift yet, and the figure she had brushed past had been a shadow figure which suddenly disappeared. From then on, my mum started to notice things in the house. Dad wasn't having an easy time of it as a park warden either. One of the key things he experienced regularly were burglar alarms going off, but there was no burglary reported. One particular incident happened towards the close of his shift. At Fulborough Park, there's an abandoned jetty that is hidden behind some shrubs and trees. It hosts an incredible view over Lake Windermere and towards the town. At the end of each shift, Dad would wind down by standing on this jetty and stare out across the lake, his back to the kids' play area. Regardless of whether it was windy or not, the shrubs around him would always be rustling. He didn't mind, though. And besides, he had a powerful beamed torch at hand to dazzle and stun the misbehaving drunk teens who would occasionally behave antisocially. The beam on this torch would light up a long stretch of area around him so no one would be able to escape detection if they were loitering nearby. On this early morning time, Dad was wrapping up his shift and stood at the end of his jetty, the shrubs rustling around him, when he felt a heavy shove in his back. The shove was so heavy-handed that he very nearly went into the lake itself. He span around, torch lighting up the park near enough, but there was nobody there. He had not heard anybody approaching or any retreating footsteps for that matter either. More than a little stunned, Dad started to believe something was going on that was not altogether normal in this area. Mum had witnessed a few unnerving events. She'd wake up in the night and see things crawling up the curtains. Each time she'd purposefully blink to adjust her vision but the creatures would still be there crawling up the curtains. She would usually put this down to bats because of how they moved. But when she opened the curtains in the morning there would never be a trace of bats. In one shared instance on separate occasions mum and dad both witnessed when washing in the bathroom instead of their own reflection in the mirror a pair of hands 
knuckles facing forward, waving back at them from the other side of the mirror. I hasten to add that both of my parents were sceptics of anything paranormal before this house. One night in particular was the peak for my mum's experiences. While in bed, she dreamt she was dressed in Victorian clothing, very cliché I admit, running down Ray Rig Road, a hill-like road not far from where we were. She was running towards the town, and not paying attention to where her feet were taking her. She soon found herself in St Mary's Churchyard. This lies just by the town itself, and has a little graveyard. Mum knew she was being chased by something in this dream but couldn't tell what it was, only that it wasn't friendly. While running through the graveyard, she tripped and fell into a conveniently open grave. Struggling to get up, she realised the force that had been chasing her was invisible, but on top of her, pushing her head firmly into the ground, but at an angle so that she was almost being forced to read the epitaph of the gravestone above her. Being so scared, though, the words weren't processing. The dream alone was weird in itself. But knowing Mum was wide awake in bed at the same time, struggling with this invisible force, pressing her head into the pillow while she silently screamed in fright for my dad to help, is what makes this experience all the more abnormal. Ultimately, she put the dream down to me, sneakily crawling into bed between her and Dad. Come the morning, Mum would usually have a cigarette while sat on the garden step with the mother from next door both keeping an eye on me and Helen's daughter Kaylee as we played in the garden. That morning, Mum told Helen about the nightmare from the night before. After a bit of chat, they decided to put it all down to either something Mum had eaten or drank from the night before. A week later, Helen came racing around while waving the Westmoreland Gazette, which was the local paper. The headline read, Exorcism at the Old England Hotel a Success. Guests and staff had apparently been experiencing a host of paranormal activity, many guests complaining of similar experiences to Mum's dream. Mum has since come to a couple of conclusions. The irrational thought seems to suggest that as the entity was banished, it went straight to the old gatehouse for a last hurrah. The rational side was that she had sleep paralysis. Now, I've hunted high and low for this article. I've contacted the newspaper team too, But because I have no exact date, just an estimated guess, the newspaper can't help. Furthermore, they've said the hotel would list it as bad for business if I were to locate it and share it with the public. My argument being, why were they happy to publish the story originally? The hotel has changed hands since then. Furthermore, it now serves as a spa too, so R&R is on the agenda rather than jumps and scares. Since then, my family and I moved to the Midlands. Our first house was in Kidderminster, another semi-detached at the end of a row of box-like houses. Upon walking through the front door, Mum and Dad have told me that I made a point of stressing that I like this house. There's no man at the top of the stairs. No. No, 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 no. I can't handle the thought of creatures crawling out of the curtains. I also wouldn't have thought they were bats. I love a good bat though. Bats are amazing. If they were bats, I'd be like, cool. Hang about, kiddos. That's fine. You can stay. But if they weren't bats, I'd be very annoyed. I do feel that you would definitely find evidence if there was real bats as well, because they tend to poop quite a bit when they're... They do a lot of poop when they're hanging, yeah. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Exactly. What else have they got to do? (laughs) Only sleep and poo. Anyway, sorry, that's completely (laughs) off topic. 
Uh, sounds like that house was haunted as shit. Mm, does, doesn't it really? Just F1. And that whole area. Yeah. Yeah, very. But it's um, the Windermere is uh, all steeped in Arthurian legend, isn't it? it I don't know anything yeah. about the Lake District. I'm pretty sure it's that. That's that's where um, Arthur did some business. <laughs> Arthur did whatever <laughs> Arthur did. Is he the guy with the round table? Yeah. And so the big sword? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Not, not a euphemism, and Merlin. by the way. Oh, and wizard stuff. Wizard stuff, yep. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very good on that whole on that legend. I don't really know what happened or what it. Don't tell me now, but yeah, okay. probably not the time or the place. No, is it? no. really isn't. Um, but yeah, that sounds really scary. And her sleep, this person's sleep issues must have been out of this world. Yeah, my for granddad, a sedative to be prescribed. When my uh, sister was a little bit under the weather when she was staying staying with my nan and granddad, my granddad um, helped her sleep with whiskey and hot milk. I think that was quite common, though. Mm. That is a very old school. Mm answer to a lot of things yeah i don't think my mum was best pleased at the time in ireland they used to put um kids dodies into whiskey when they were teething what do you call them you don't call them dodies soothers dummies yeah so i think that's for you american people yeah so i think that was quite common actually how frustrating must it be to be a park ranger park warden or a security guard and keep having to go to alarms of any type that are tripping only to find that there's nothing there no, and the other problem is is that you would have to go every yep, time because the one time you didn't go yep. would definitely be the time there was an actual burglary. party of school children burned to death or something. Yeah, and you'd be like, oh, brilliant. And <laughs> yeah. they'd go, why didn't you go? And you'd go, I actually don't have a reason other than I couldn't be bothered because all the other times it wasn't a burglary. That That's not going to yeah. fly in court, I think. No. So if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything that you need to know about us on com. You can email us on real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com where you can submit your own spooky story you can find us on patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to heaps of extra content and on that note we shall see you tomorrow bye